What's happening? What kind of bike is that? A BMX remix. I'm on my BMX listening to DMX. Thank you. We are trying to match the energy of the beginning of the episode because the first 30 is like pretty light, fun, a lot of stand up chat. And then the last hour is like the deepest we've ever gone. So if you're in the mood for nude and want to go real deep psychological, healy trauma, like beauty, poetry, stick around for the second hour for sure. The first 30, some very fun. First 30, very fun. It's very fun stuff as well. But it's it's a mix. This, that's what I love about the show. It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag, but like the kind of when you get that big bag, clear bag at the movie theater and you fill it with different kinds of candy. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a dog turd in there. No, it's all candy. It's all candy. So um, go to PeteHolmes.com for all my tour dates. I'll be in Denver. We just added a late show uh, to Thursday. So we'll do six shows in Denver, which is going to be great. Then St. Louis is coming up. And we're adding Chicago for my new hour after that, which I'm very excited about. So anyway, those are all beyond PeteHolmes.com and also Largo-LA.com. Once a month, I am doing my Living at Largo show. I think the next one is like September. I wanna, I'm looking it up in real time. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh my God, this is the worst intro. Oh no. It doesn't matter. It, it, there's one in September. Is yeah. What I'm saying. Largo-LA.com. Um, and if you like the show, please support the show. Uh, we don't have a Patreon. We don't have anything like that. But if you want, buy one of these products. Shows the ads work. Helps keep the lights on. We appreciate it. Katie, roll those Pete's Pick ads. <laughs> like modern mammals. Look at my hair right now. I washed my hair today. It used to be in the past that if I washed my hair, I would hide my brittle hay hair, this dis- this disturbed, fluffy nonsense under a hat for two, sometimes three days, or I'd have to fill it with all these artificial products to kind of make it look like I hadn't just washed it. It was terrible. And I literally had my hair, uh, my hair person and my dear friend Kat was like, Pete, you need to wash your hair. It's getting disgusting. So it's like, I don't know what to do. Luckily, I found Modern Mammals. The only non-shampoo shampoo I found that not only doesn't fry out and make your hair dry and look horrible, but it actually makes it look great. It makes me want to wash my hair. It makes me wash my hair when I want to have a good hair day. I didn't want to look like it looked when I used regular shampoo. Modern Mammals is a non-shampoo. It cleans your hair, but leaves it perfect, like a perfect hair day. Look, look, look right now. Well, if you're listening, you can't look. It still has structure, still has some of its natural oils and natural moisture, and it stays in place and looks and feels incredible. After a wash, it looks how I want it to look after I would wait three, four days after a normal shampoo, but now I can get it on demand and on command. So now I wash it all the time. I used it before red carpets. I've used it before big shows. I used it before my Netflix special, which will be out in October. So this is the only shampoo I use. If you try it and like it one-tenth as much as I do, you're going to shit your pants. Over 40,000 guys have switched to this instead of traditional shampoo. you got to see the reviews for this product. They're insane. Guys don't just get excited. It blows their mind. And once you try it, you're hooked. I'm in for life. You can't go back to regular horrible shampoo after this. And I love that it's a small punk rock company. I know the owner. I love the owner. It's grassroots. These guys were just fed up with shampoo frying their hair and set out to actually create new products to wash your hair with, new uh, 
shampoo alternatives specifically for guys. They have a bar for people who want to be earth conscious and, and reduce their plastic, and there's no fragrance, or they also have bottles and refills. It's like a magic gray mud. I love the feeling, and I love the smell, and it gives you that perfect hair every single time. Six seconds a day, perfect hair, and support this show, which means so much. Go to modernmammals.com slash weird, and you can get a special combo deal and try both products. That's the bar and the bottle, which both last a really long time, by the way. Get both for $44. That's modernmammals.com slash weird. Get both the bar and the bottle for one reduced price. All right, everybody. Hope to see you out on the road. Enjoy, Valerie. Get into it. Oh, God. <laughs> what happened? Almost, like, oh. fell too far back in this chair. Swivel. Um, isn't? Swivel. Swivel. Swivel chair. My name is, if I was a freestyle rapper, my name would be Swivel. <laughs> So I thought swivel. you were going to say swivel chair. That would be better. Take okay, it. Do you want to take I it think, again? <laughs> I, I think for me, for swivel, <laughs> I would have liked it. This is voice. Okay. You, why? You think it's a certain ethnicity? Mm-hmm. I disagree. <laughs> Hip hop. Uh, it could be a white person doing, <laughs> like I'm doing an impression that of is funny. a white person doing a black Someone person. Someone else, I'm doing an impression <laughs> of a white person appropriating. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the pass. Mm-hmm. Swivel just, I'm his lawyer now. Swivel would have liked it if you asked him if he was receptive to feedback or if that oh, would be triggering Oh, so why him. does the lawyer have to be white? Oh, by the way, that lawyer was Asian. <laughs> he was Asian. Oh, my God. So, oh, and I'm sorry, were you picturing Chinese or Japanese or, or Cantonese <laughs> or any of the knees? Because he was Because he doesn't even pop. have knees. <laughs> he doesn't even have knees. <laughs> he's, he's differently, differently abled. abled and he's from Pakistan. He not Pakistan, Pakistan. Oh my God! And he doesn't have knees. We are swimming in some silly waters here. These waters are sick. <clears throat> These waters are sick. <laughs> what? That's a funny reaction of when somebody tries to sing. Is to just what? Go, what? I told you. I'm sure I've said this on the show before. In my mind, I famously bombed in Peoria, opening for Bill Burr in like 2000, and I want to say three or four. Is that the video that I saw? <laughs> yeah, there is a video of that weekend. Mm-hmm. But not the show, maybe the show that I posted. You know, I, I've, I've told this before, but I, I, there's a video online on, on YouTube.com. Mm-hmm. It's like videos users upload. Like Spotify? <laughs> It's yeah, I you know I've always been a little unclear like how easy it is to just like upload an album to Spotify because it's not SoundCloud. SoundCloud is like if you did eight different farts and tracked them out, you can put them on SoundCloud. <laughs> right. It's but more Spotify like SoundCloud. is. A, but Spotify, you... I I had that one time. There was a, a guy driving me to the airport, and he it got weird because he was telling me about his girlfriend and their album and how they were, and it really broke my heart. Because she was a talented singer, I, that's true. But he was like, and we, you know, we put her album up on Spotify, and we're like, you know, fingers crossed. You never know, oh, like as no. if it was like buying a, a lottery ticket. Oh. And I was kind of like, more like, 
putting a handful of soap in Niagara Falls and being like, maybe this will wash the suit I'm wearing. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked it up and it had like 12 total listens. Yeah, that's happened before with like Leela, our daughter, um, asks for just songs. Usually it's like something that she's doing or thinking about. So one time she was playing on a little toy computer in the back seat and she was like, can I want a song called I'm typing. And so I was like, you know, play yeah. a song. We've tried to explain like <laughs> someone has to write that song. It, do, it might not exist. Yeah. Turns out a lot of them a exist. A lot of them exist. So I found a song called I'm typing from like a woman like that. Yeah. That was like a cute little folk song, but it was like maybe a hundred listens. And yeah. I was like, well, She's going to be thrilled. She just got one more. Yeah. If you, uh, but you know, it's interesting because it's not this simple. In fact, I would say it's a specific kind of genius that figures out how to do this appropriately. And it's a specific kind of dingus that goes like, all we need to do is write songs called Dinosaur Astronaut. Right. But it turns out if the song's not good, the kid's never going to want to listen to it again. It has to have like quality to it. Right. But you know, Perry Grip, he's out there. Perry Grip, look him up. I sing Perry Grip songs all the time. They're catchy. I like them. They're good. And they're this exactly is about the best burrito I've ever, ever eaten. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> all the parents out there, you know what we talking about. <laughs> okay, before all of this, what yeah. was it? Swizzles, yo. Swizzle uh, and <laughs> I appropriations. Say, I was trying to say Swizzles lawyer and I was about Asian to say lawyer. Swizzles yogurt. <laughs> Swizzles yogurt lawyer. Mm-hmm. And we're just having a night. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I feel right now is that we were in a nice flow and you're like, okay, what was it? Oh, no. No, I, I'm okay with it. I'm sorry. I thought we took the oh, Perry the, the Grip. Oh, the bombing, the bombing, I thought the once bombing. We're, once we're uh, singing no, Perry right. Grip songs, that's not like a great flow. It's not a grip flow. You are right, because mm-hmm. I was... Te- I'm removing my jacket. <laughs> we were telling the story of I'm in Peoria, and the two things I have about that set that I uploaded to YouTube.com mm-hmm. was, one, I disabled comments, which I think is very darling. Because oh, I was like, I'll do this, cute. but I'm not going to let people be like, this guy sucks. Because it was early on in my career. It was like, I made that video while I was that funny. You know what I mean? And you did it to, like, as a bomb video. As a video, yeah. And what... Before that, that wasn't really a thing. I didn't see other people putting up bomb videos. I don't know. Clickbait wasn't a term, like comedian bombing. Wanting to get a lot of views wasn't even really a thing. It was just kind of like doing a thing. So then, yeah, what was the impetus to do it? Was it like a... If you write about slipping on a banana, it's your laugh? Well, honestly, yeah. I, I think there was a... There was part of me going like, I just had this weekend where I bombed so hard that I needed to figure out how to think about it. Mm. And then I made this video to be like, to have some it's sort like of ownership own it. over it. Yeah, own but it. The, the thing is, is I used the night that I bombed way less hard. And looking oh, back, so the Friday, and I didn't even know things like this, that the first night, you know, you're just kind of finding your legs. Second mm-hmm. night, even if you don't do well, you know, mm-hmm. at least it's in your bones how to say the words. Mm-hmm. But I've told this a million. Bill, I said to Bill Burr, and this is way, way early in his career, so early that I think it was kind of his early headlining stuff, mm. doing this random club called, I think it wasn't called Penguins. It was called like Brewsters. It's mm. called Brewsters. It's mm-hmm. not there anymore. 
<laughs> and I go, I don't know what to do. Which is kind of like sweet. Because in real time, you knew that you were bombing and like. Yeah, but after the set and he'd yeah. go up and murder. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd be like, I just don't know what to do. And he goes like, you know, if a joke doesn't work, what do you do? And he just goes, he was like, just be honest. Just be like, that sucked. Mm. So then like the next night I told a joke, mm-hmm. probably like my ice pack joke. Yeah. The contents of this ice pack have a bittering agent has been added to the contents of this ice pack to discourage consumption. I love that because apparently before the contents of the ice pack were too delicious, right? <laughs> I think it's great. It's fine. Yes. It's fine. No, no, it's no. Good. I'm saying that joke. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a joke right now about how I won't cheat on you and it's not because I love you or because I believe in marriage, it's because I'm done meeting people. Right. <laughs> which of course is a, a complete joke but the joke ends with the woman that i'm supposedly having sex with telling me asinine things about her life and me hating them right and she's like my father was a dictator and i'm just like i don't care i'm gonna smother you with a pillow ah, right mm-hmm. and then i go which is the funniest way to die by the way it's just too fluffy, right? And it gets this big laugh. That's like a similar kind of... It's similar to Ice Pack. Yes. Here's the story that no one cares or asked for. Uh-huh. I had a joke in my first year of stand-up that went like this. I think of all the ways to die, being smothered by a pillow is the funniest way. Wow. And I went, it's just too fluffy. But it went wow. on and was just kind of on its own. I'd go like, I, I remember I'd go, that's like choking on a tulip. All these things, like it, it didn't need, it didn't need anything. It wasn't, right. it wasn't a whole bit. But then later, like literally 20 years later, I'm doing a place. thing and I need, and I said smothered by a pillow. And then I remembered that bit. It's like, wow. every, it's every part of the Buffalo. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. Both Burbiglia and I, we were talking about being in a phase in standup where you start stealing from yourself. Mm. And it's one of the great pleasures. That's nice. Because you've built this like arsenal of, yes. of stuff. And I, I have this joke where. It's about like I masturbate so I can be a member of polite society because your sex drive can be a distraction. And I'm like, and I go, do you think I want to masturbate? It's humiliating. Mm -hmm. And then in the bit, I go like looking at an iPad, a two-dimensional image and my dick is like, I'm time to get someone pregnant. Mm -hmm. I already did that bit on another special, I think. Right. But like no one cares. I don't care. Yeah. They're laughing and I'm just like, I'm stealing from myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the best feelings in the world is you feel like you're getting away with something, but it's you. That's right. That is cool. I love that. Any hoozle. The story is in Peoria, I tell a joke and it bombs so bad that I, I saw a guy in the audience who kind of looked like me, mm-hmm. just like a bigger me, <laughs> broad shouldered, wispy. He kind of looked like Laird Hamilton, mm-hmm. the surfer. Uh-huh. That's what I think I look like. <laughs> yeah. I'm you know, he looked to exactly these two like things. me, like Laird Hamilton. <laughs> and I looked out, and there's me or Laird Hamilton. I mean, picture either. It's just, it's indecipherable. Yeah, it's the same guy chiseled, salty, talented, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous, okay. haunting eyes, beautiful blonde locks, beautiful wool suits, beautiful wool suits. I look out and there's me stroke. I like how British people say stroke. And there's me stroke, Laird Hamilton. They, <laughs> oh, instead that of slash, is nice. they say stroke. Yeah, stroke is such a more beautiful stroke. word than slash. Until it's a diagnose. 
Yeah. I'd rather have a slash than a stroke. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> are, are we Wh- riffing? What? <laughs> Is this a delicate dance? <laughs> um, Isn't riff also a surfing term? Is it? Reef. <laughs> you are I'm not my thinking of reef. special angel. I love that. I hope you were thinking I of reef. I might have been. You guys want to do some reefs? <laughs> or do you think Laird Hamilton reef. ever said, like, guys are making jokes. He's like, enough riffs. Let's get some reefs. Yeah. Or he's just like, we're just reefing here. Get it? <laughs> Like wings. Wow. And everyone feels obliged to laugh because yeah. he's the greatest surfer. Because he's Laird. Because he's Laird. Mm-hmm. Laird of the manor. <laughs> Any hoozle woozle. What were we? I was just about to say. Oh, I you looked to Laird guy. stroke yeah. and he goes, I tell the joke, bittering agent. And then I look out in the crowd and he just goes, what? Oh, no. And I still remember his slash R slash Laird's stroke. face. Yeah. Yeah. His stroke, Laird's stroke, my own face looking back at me. Oh. Same story. I There was a place called, what is this? Pipe Smoke and Porch Time. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I was at a comedy club called Comedy Comedy in Lyle, Illinois. Mm-hmm. About an hour or so, hour 15 outside of Chicago. And that was one of the first places that me and Kumail used to go up. And this is unibrow Parliament Cigarettes Kumail. Not yes. the, the not the Greek god that we know now. And yes. I say that with full respect. What a transformation. Yes. <laughs> so we used to drive up there and this was, you know, it was hard. Uh, I, I It was hard for me as his friend, but it was also just hard. 9-11 had happened pretty recently and, and Kumail being East Asian, you know, there was tension. Yeah. So when he did poorly, it was, it was more charged. It Oof. was like, it felt weird. Mm. Um. I think he would agree with that. I know he would agree. Mm. Well, I can't know, but I think very strongly that he would agree with that. And he was on stage doing comedy that when I when we were at the open mic, when we were in the, like what I consider to be the hip scene, would murder these mm-hmm. bits, unbelievable bits. And he's on stage and he's doing his thing, and he and I'm watching. I'm on next, and someone in the crowd went, "What?" And I was like, "What is the worst?" What is the worst? What is like, I'm so confused yeah, and insult. You, my sensibility like, is so s- disarmed by this. Right. I can't even be quiet. I can't just well, silently a, be like, what is going it's on? It's also like, not only do I not think it's funny, I can't, I don't even understand why anyone would think that's, that's exactly funny. what it is. It's not only do I think it's not funny and confusing. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll get a laugh mm. and provide relief to the others being subjected yeah. to what I knew. Yeah. Look, I don't want to smell my own farts for an hour, but I'm just saying like there was a time when Kumail, the same bits he did at Meltdown, you know, mm-hmm. not not necessarily the exact same, but the same style. I was doing a lot of the same style of stuff. It just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's fun to notice. It's like there was a time when comedy was more, it was, it, it was a little more vaudeville. If you went up and just like, did your act and like they didn't want like a fresh perspective yet these things start in the cities and then they spread out and Uh. now we're in lyle illinois and also we weren't very good but like (laughs) that's that's a small detail (laughs) just tiny irrelevant detail but you know in the city proper kumail doing bits about arranged marriage or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. was like cutting cutting edge it was pushing the envelope and yeah but people so is that what it was do you think people were offended no or uncomfortable we were both 
Kumail, even more than me, and I wish it were the other way around because I'm saying it's a good thing, he was being unique. He was being interesting right. and slow and personal and subtle. Mm-hmm. And the crowd was just kind of like, you know. And a lot of the early crowds were, in my estimation, were that way. They wanted it to be a little bit more like... Ham and eggs. Yeah, just a ham and egg dinner. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I also, a thing I've never asked about that Peoria experience was what, I would imagine it was extra charged for you because it was Bill Burr. Was that the first time you had opened for him? Okay. Love this question. It was the first time I met Bill mm-hmm. and Bill's been a huge presence in my life. As we just said, like, I think last week we talked about he he's producing my Netflix special, which mm-hmm. will be out in October. Wouldn't have one. If Bill Burr didn't go come do a Netflix special. Netflix didn't say, let's do a Netflix special. Yes. Bill Burr said, let's go do a Netflix special. So right. huge. He's yeah. remained this presence in my life. He was yeah. on Crashing in a huge way. That was when he was big, you know? Yeah. I, when I met him. I mean, he still is, but you mean like that was, he was big by then. I'm saying the Peoria story, he wasn't big. Right. He was, he had done some things. He was on a show called Townies, I think. Mm. Yeah, he was on a, a, like a failed sitcom called Townies. I remember looking him up and all I could find was like an online bio, mm. which was him and his old Bill Burr headshot where he's like opening his jacket like a flying squirrel. Mm-hmm. And he has hair. It's before he shaved his head and he's real young. And, and it says like, I hear it in his voice. He's like, to the people, to the people considering booking me, I promise you one thing. I will not suck. Wow. And it's and it's like and so I I never even read a funny bio, but I was like, oh, he did it kind of like funny. Like it's like I will not suck. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, I won't I won't go on for two hours. I won't drink eight eighteen drinks. I'll do my job. I'm funny. Wow. I'll get out of there. Wow. That's and a really uncomfortable thing to do and like To say I will not suck. Well, just to have to sell yourself in that way. I saw an open micer at the village underground in the in the village in New York and they did this bit that absolutely shook me and I loved it. I don't know if they're still doing comedy. I have to guess the law of averages that they're probably not. But this person was like, "Can you imagine Richard Pryor doing what we have to do?" Like, mm-hmm. "Can you imagine getting an email that says Richard Pryor invited you to the Facebook group?" lots of laughs oh my <laughs> you know like god. he's like trying to get five friends so to come oh my god and i think there's a but i don't know what richard Pryor was doing like i think it was a lot more of that networky you know 70s you're yeah. there you're having cocktails right you show that you're like i think it was social like being funny at parties being f- that's, that's interesting that's exactly right that's why my dad is so confused that like yeah this kid did this like because i'd freeze i wouldn't freeze up but i wasn't like that's schmoozing. really interesting too because you know the like older guys like martin short everybody's like he's the funniest in real life like he's who you want to have a dinner party with and he was like in those crowds with like gilda radner and like you know just and eugene levy and all of those guys that probably were sparkling at parties and then you'd be like this guy's funny i know a producer over at the variety show you know whatever that's right Maybe that is how it was, but it's so different now. <laughs> it is. It's like a bunch of introverts, like weird introverts. With that... business acumen. Yes. 
<laughs> and social media acumen. Yes. Freaks and gargoyles and weirdos. And that now like, if you are yeah. networky and sort of attention hoggy, it's a little bit like, ew. I Unless you have bit. the the history or the success already. I had a little of that that social thing meaning so the comedy cafe in milwaukee i was just in milwaukee not that long ago and i went to where it was i walked to where it was and it's it's all gone mm. but the condo is still there which was crazy yeah you sent me those i pictures. sent you the pictures um i also sent it to kumail who didn't reply okay paul <laughs> you don't have to air your <laughs> oh no <laughs> I just thought it was so meaningful, <laughs> yes. and maybe he never worked there. Maybe, I, maybe it's I, I, I don't I wasn't trying to shots fire. I'm just saying no, I, I thought it was like incredible that it was still there. And like right. no, I texted it to other people who didn't reply. Mm. I don't mean to. Nobody else cared as much. Nobody. Yeah. My point is nobody else cared. I was like, oh my god, Jerusalem! <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's here. Like yeah, it was like a, a relic. But that was one of those clubs where I've talked about it many times. They used to scare the shit out of us and mm -hmm. tell us stories about duct taping comedians to chairs because they disrespected waitresses and they put guns on the table. They all had guns. Is that real? Which part? The guns. The or guns is real. I saw the guns. Yeah. They put guns on the table when they were like when negotiating they were paying the you. money. Yeah. How? In Milwaukee? Yeah. I guess I don't understand you can have a gun. Milwaukee. I, I'm, I think you're allowed to have, I think these were legal guns. I'm sure, but Jesus. Oh, yeah. It was very <laughs> deliberate. They liked it. Well, yeah. Meaning it was an aesthetic. I'm not defending it. I'm saying they were going for like a Frank Sinatra would come here and we're like, like a biker gang kind of feel. Was they had that. Uh, do you ever, ever see that thing? It's a, a gun pointed at you and it says support your local outlaw. Mm -mm, but yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's very similar to like those signs that you see that say, we don't call 911. And it just has a picture of a guy with a gun. You've never seen that sign? No. Yeah. It's like Ew. that flavor. Yeah, You can't get any of it in Sky Mall, but there's a catalog somewhere that we haven't seen. <laughs> that we will never see. That's just bandanas and leather vests <laughs> and, and like chain wallets. And <laughs> chaps. And, and like, And there's a whole section of like comedy. <laughs> they have their own comedy. Like, we don't call 911. That's hilarious because I'm going to murder you. Like, that's, that, that's like a killer reef for them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's when you would sing, you are my... my yeah, that is, yeah, that's what I would sing for you. But I have no such song, and I'm sad about it. Because we just, because they're just sheer numbers. <laughs> but I brought the, that's great, that was sweet. But the reason I brought it up was I'm in Milwaukee. Oh, and I would, I would sort of eat shit there as we all, it, was, it wasn't a guaranteed kill. It was a great club. Um, was it? Because <laughs> of the guns and the duct tape and it sounds terrible. It sounds like yeah. a nightmare. From all the history of stand-up I had learned, like Vegas and all that stuff, I wasn't, my takeaway wasn't fear. It was more like- This is cool. Not, it wasn't even that stuff. Let's put oh. that stuff over there. Okay. I heard lore of the duct taping and the, and the toughness and the roughness. Mm -hmm. But mostly I was just like, these guys give me stage time and the crowds are always incredible. Okay, great. And they took us to dinner and stuff. There was a lot of, there was nice stuff about it. Uh-huh. They had someone go up before the host that was huge. So mm. you weren't the first person to go up. Nice. So they, they ran it well. Okay. So I always wanted to be there. And I, I went up and I would do okay, 
But I was still at that place where I was like doing the comedy that I thought my mother would like me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How embarrassing, but true. It's cute. And it's okay. It's fine. Me and Ern, he has a video of me at a comedy cafe that I sent him. I was proud of the set. And one of the bits was, I think it's funny when people are on cell phones and the other person can't see them, but they'll still use hand gestures. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're using hand gestures that the other person can't see, I guess right. for their own benefit. That's and the funny. example I use, I go, find it, Carol, dig. And I'm digging <laughs> in the air. Yeah. Like what a crazy example. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the other bit that we always quote from that set was, I, I turn my radio down when I pay a toll. Like that's how polite I am. <laughs> I'm like, when I pay a toll, I turn the radio down. Very cute. Yeah. Two good lines. Any hoozle, I would do okay. Mm-hmm. But it was very much like, you know, yippee Kaye, melon farmer, stuff like that. Fine. Mm-hmm. I think I held my own. But after the shows were done, I didn't know myself well enough to know one of my favorite parts of stand-up is when the shows are all done. Because mm-hmm. there's all this unconscious anxiety that you actually carry for weeks. Oh, sure. Back in those days, weeks before, weeks It sucks. It's like you have this test or something. Now I notice it creeps up like the week of the show. I'll notice like, why am I a little... Tense. Tense, punchy. It's because I'm like, my brain's trying to get lean and mean because I'm doing shows. So anyway, my shows were fine. But then after the sets, I have that relief. I don't even know what that is. It's a new sensation for me. But I feel as happy as I can be because all the shows are done. Mm -hmm. And they invite the comics to have like a game night. See, they did some nice things. Yeah have a game night with the staff and they order pizza. The game, now, the now, game. That, now they sound like the only good club in the world. Sure, there was a gun, but they're, like, they're over there going like, yes, I put a gun on the table, kind of as theater. But don't you remember the pizza and the, the game night? I was picturing the games being like the like game where you have a knife and you put them between your fingers. Hilarious. <laughs> like it's those games where it's just like them shooting at yeah, your feet, feet. like The dancing, dancing. game. Yeah. Which, by the way, because there was pizza, you're pizza blind. (laughs) Can I say, oh, we got to find a way to put this in a movie or something? Because is there anything funnier than like dance and then you just shoot them in the foot (laughs) or the knee immediately? You're like, dance. And like, that wouldn't work. No. I mean, you have to shoot the ground in front of them, but you have to be really good at not. Yeah. Yeah. And it has, it can't ricochet. It's a terrible <laughs> it's game. Terrible game. It's a terrible Don't game. Don't play that game. Don't play the dance game. <laughs> Don't play with guns. I, I forget what we played. It was probably Trivial Pursuit or something similar. Mm. But I started drinking. And this is like a positive-ish drinking story, meaning like the mix of the euphoria of having done the weekend, being invited to the game night, the comic. I think it was Jim Florentine was the headliner. And we're drinking. I'm drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And I start finding myself, like becoming me, like Mm. this guy, this version of me, meaning I'm making fun of them. I'm probably making fun of how scared we all are of the guns and don't touch the staff. Like I I wasn't going to touch the staff. Why are you threatening me? Like like all of this, like riffing, like being courageous and bold and roasty and making fun of, I don't, I wish I had video of it. I was... I don't know if I was blacked out, but I was drunk. And I was killing. Wow. And it was one of those killings that everyone's like happy for me. Mm. Like I'm the low guy. I could feel this warmth of like the kid's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's like a scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there was this moment. So the owner, JD, the owner of the club, 
who was obviously the the guy that I was trying to impress the most. At one point, very Vegas, very Sinatra. I'm sweating and yelling and spitting and everyone's laughing. He looks at me, then he looks at the bartender and gestures, get the kid another drink. And it was like, one wow. of the coolest. That's so cool. It's one of the coolest. That's like, so cool. This kid's paying out. Keep keep him drinking because I. It was Whoa. so. It was as close as I'll come to doing cocaine at the Palm in 1969 <laughs> with Sammy Davis Jr. You know yes. what I mean? Like it, now looking back, that's very cool. Yeah, that's really fun. I'm so glad you had that life moment. You know. Was that after Peoria or before that would around have been the same after. time? Okay, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been after. This is a real, you know, we're, we're No, it was before. That was before. Interesting. We're like, you know, we're watching alone. We I won't go into it because we just Everyone can't knows stop we're watching alone. It. It's we're a perfect alone. metaphor for everything. It really is. And in that situation, remember the episode we were watching yesterday where she was like, There are the highest highs and the lowest lows out here and it kind of makes you insane. Yeah. And it is it it feels the same in stand up. I mean it's you know different well, I was just stakes, talking, but yeah. It's a it's one of those high stakes things where you're gonna either bomb in front of somebody you respect and Or you're you, gonna find you know, a rabbit. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> to mix metaphors for fun. <laughs> I love your point, and I actually think that's what makes stand up, for as strange as it is, seem natural and appropriate. Yeah. Is because so I was. Did I already talk about this? I had the show closing Largo the other night, and I did all my new material mm. and murdered. And I was like, I'm ready. I have a whole new hour now. And then a few nights later, I did it again, but I went up early and I was, and it just didn't go as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look, I don't want your, you said it and I'm agreeing. So I don't, I just don't want to feel alone or stupid, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that's what it is. Yeah. There's days where you catch three fish yeah. and you're like, I can stay out here for a hundred days. Yes. And then you come back and you eat no fish and you're like, I think I have to go. Yeah. And the wise people, and this goes back to what you did uh, last night. I want to talk about that. Mm. Wisdom to me is, we did it today to compliment myself. I said to you, I was like, I'm having an uh, disproportionate or an overreaction mm. to what we're talking about. We were talking about another couple we know. Mm -hmm. And I was getting really into it. And like 30 seconds in, you hear this very quiet voice that goes like, I think you're talking about your parents. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think you're talking about your mom and your dad and mm -hmm. their relationship and how you felt as a child. Mm -hmm. And you're imposing all of this onto this other couple that we don't know yeah. the nuances of it. But that voice and learning to listen to that voice and getting good at hearing yeah, that voice. Yeah, you're the best at anybody I, than anybody I've ever known. That's the nicest thing I've ever heard. You really are. You've taught I, me that skill. I'm so touched because that is my highest virtue is going like, I think something else is going on here. Cause that's all I ever wanted in and my whole life. Absolutely. And you're yeah. high and pe you know, other people are good at it, but generally they need a few minutes at least to then be like, you know what? In hindsight, I think your high processing brain does it almost before you're done finishing the sentence. Yeah. Like, like the time when you were like, I don't know, you like snapped about something and bef like in the same breath, you, you were just like, 
Well, I don't know. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm embarrassed and I'm lashing out. <laughs> it was like, okay. Oh, you're you're a but kind person. It's the it's like a huge reason why I can be married to you because you're doing all of the work. That's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, there's a new edition of the newspaper me. coming out, but it's easy to read. Yes. Yeah. Well, it yeah. I mean, I other people have different things that annoy them. So it's not necessarily true for everybody. But for me, one of the most frustrating things is being close with somebody who isn't doing their own emotional work. And and you're like sitting there like, I can see so clearly what's happening here. And you can't. And I'm not going to tell you because that's your business. But like, Jesus, can you just think about this for a second? Yeah. It's yeah. really, yeah. So I just really appreciate that I don't have to do any. And well, then, yeah. Ahead. Well, I was going to say last night when I snapped, was that what you were going to say? No. Oh, well, I was going to say that. <laughs> I wouldn't remember when you snap. I don't even remember you snapping. Well, just that you, like, I, it was like, oh, I was when I cooking dinner you? and you couldn't hear me. And I just said the thing like a little too loud. <laughs> well, you, I, you, you went, well, there's time. And I went, what? And you went, time. And I went, and I, I snapped first. I went, oh. what? Because I have hearing. Not only do I want to be heard, I want to yeah. hear. Well, and you get annoyed. And I get really troubled. Yeah. And it's not safe for me. If I don't mm. hear what my mother said, right? how can I protect it from what my father said or mm -hmm. vice versa? Mm -hmm. So when, I, when you go, I'm like, danger. Like right. the room is on fire and then you go and I go, what? Like, yeah. not, not like that, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There was a, a tense what? And then I was just like the bone broth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. That tree is far away. Yeah. Which, but I've also seen you. We've also had the reverse where I can't hear what you're saying and you get frustrated with that too because it's not being heard, which well, makes sense. Well, you've taught me what trauma is. Like I'm now comfortable with the language of a traumatized person yeah. because it's not like the evidence happened. I am the evidence. <laughs> yes. And those that evidence, and I know this sounds maybe a little too rose colored but it's like it's actually a gift to go like wait what it's like when peter rowling says alcoholism isn't the problem alcoholism is the symptom of mm -hmm. the problem and my problem isn't that i snap at you or, mm -hmm. or snap when i can't hear somebody yeah or feel traumatized when no one can hear me mm -hmm. that's the gift the gift is pointing to the problem and the problem is that like i haven't yet resolved the idea that if I, I still think I need to hear and regulate my parents. That's right. Absolutely. And like, it's not safe if you don't hear. And, and you have 100%. to deal with that. And I, so. You have to that, work on that is what I mean. Like, I, I have to work on In fact, right. I, when we come back from the midrolls, I want to talk about all this. Yeah, absolutely. And even just, you know, how that, I think it's useful for people to talk now that you have started thinking of this as drama, the like difference in perspective, oh. like the shift of how Betty, you treat I, yourself I when I thought this I happened. was so gentle and I love talking about how feminine my energy is and how embodied I am and how mm. mindful I can be. But like when you go, okay, 
are you traumatized? I would be like, what, like a snowflake? Right. You mean like a candy ass? It's so interesting. Why am I suddenly Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino? Well, that's one of the first and deepest lessons that boys learn is that vulnerability is weak and for women. Yeah. So it's not... It's just hard to reconcile that everything we want is on the other side of something we don't want. Yes. But one of the things we can't not want is to withstand discomfort. You know what I mean? It's hard... I, I mean, I'm right. I'm saying both are true. I I need to acknowledge trauma, mm-hmm. and I've also been like, it can be valuable to learn to suppress it in certain situations. It's just so nuanced, is what I'm saying. But well, that's interesting because I think it really is completely um, cohesive with that concept because trauma is like. Facing your trauma is the most badass thing you can do. Yes, and like a true hero's journey, and does take it uh, does take a lot of feminine energy to have compassion, but it also takes hero like energy, bravery, night, courage, like yes. brave night yes. going into the dark cave. In yeah. fact, so after we come back from the mid roll, I'll tell you what I was admiring about you. But I'll also I saw I sat with James Finley again. I asked him for some spiritual direction, and it ended up being a session more psychologically speaking about my trauma. Mm. And he gave me this exercise that I want to give everybody that they can do. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I can explain it. And and to your point, I haven't done it yet because mm-hmm. it is real mm-hmm. scary. Yes, it's really scary. You really so, know that feeling. Let's um, let's roll the mid rolls. Sorry, this is the only job we have right now so these ads are our our life our life work our, our, <laughs> our lively our, our livelihood, livelihood. Yeah. livelihood so thank you for listening to them thank you for trying one of them mm-hmm. if you want to support uh it means a lot so roll roll the ads and we'll be right back with all that stuff we just teased this episode is brought to us by our friends at Element, L-M-N-T. My favorite part of my morning routine is drinking a big glass of water with Element inside. Not only does it make it taste incredible, I love their watermelon salt flavor the best. I love their chocolate salt flavor at night, uh, which I drink hot as also my second favorite, maybe tied for first. What is it? It's replacing the water that you lose throughout the day through ordinary movement, through exercise, for me, through sauna, uh, through just being alive and sweating here in the summer. It's replacing that, but it's also replacing your electrolytes. You need to replace electrolytes to prevent muscle cramps, headaches, and energy dips. And getting that sodium, that potassium, and that magnesium in your body, in your blood, first thing helps jumpstart your day, helps with brain cognition, helps neural connectivity, helps energy. It gets me ready to go. I've given it to so many friends that say they drank an orange salt after they went on a run and it basically floods your body with everything you just lost and replaces it and then some and you feel fantastic. Element has become a huge part of my wellness program. I've given it to so many friends. I love the taste of it. It makes drinking water a pleasure and provides the optimum ratios of those elements of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, which is so hard to get into your diet for health, performance, energy, and mental function. It tastes incredible. I also notice when I drink one at night, I don't get up to pee. Something about the sodium in there gives the water something to work with instead of waking me up to pee, which is incredible. Makes me feel fantastic before a workout, carrying me through the workout, or sometimes I drink it after my workout to replace what just came out, which is awesome. 
Element is a huge game changer. So many people that I follow and love online were talking about it, so I'm so glad I gave it a try. I think you gotta get it in your routine as well. And if Element doesn't exceed your expectations, they have a no questions asked refund policy. You don't even have to send it back. So support your body, support this show. Go to drinklmnt.com slash weird and you'll get a free sample pack with any purchase, which is awesome because you can hone in and find your favorite flavor. They even have a spicy one, which I really enjoy. Go to drinklmnt.com slash weird. Support your body, support your mind, and support the show. We're also brought to us by our friends at Ritual. Obviously, conversations like this with Bill where we're talking about comedy and show business and writing, those are easy, but getting health advice from your friends, it's not really the move. Ritual has taken the guesswork out of the vitamin game. Their multivitamin for men is based on science to help fill common nutrient gaps in the diet and level up your nutrient goals. It's an all-around win. The number one critique I hear about uh, vitamins is that you just pee it out of your system, but Ritual has a delayed release, means it's breaking breaking down in your lower intestine and actually getting absorbed into your blood. That's not just hearsay. I used to go to the doctor and as a mostly vegan, I would get updates. You're missing B12. You're missing this, this, this. I I had deficit. I started taking Ritual and now I'm knocking it out of the park. It's incredible. It's scientifically developed with high quality key ingredients in clean bioavailable form. It's got a minty flavor, which I love, making it, taking it a pleasure. It gives you D3, omega-3 DHA to support normal muscle function. Immune function is obviously D3. Uh, it's made traceable because your nutrients come from and where they come from is just as important as what they're for, so you can read all about that. It's vegan-friendly, non-GMO, sugar-free, gluten-free, major allergen-free, and as I said, it's time-released. So I fast most mornings, and I take a Ritual, and it has zinc in it. Zinc can upset your stomach. Ritual does not upset your stomach because it doesn't break down until it's through your stomach, which is incredible. The minty essence just takes it over the top. So Essential for Men is a quality multivitamin from a company you can actually trust. And get this, Ritual is offering weirdos 30% off 30% off your first month, go to ritual.com slash weird to start ritual or add essential for men to your subscription today. I also love their pre, po, post, and probiotic all in one, Symbiotic Plus. Go to ritual.com slash weird, start your ritual today, support your body, and support the show. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. This heating pad blows, by the way. It's not. I can it's not see hot. you hating it. It's not hot. It I don't even work. recognize this, this one. I took it out of the box. This was brand new. We'll one that we got for Christmas, and it is not. Belle, like it that, doesn't that work. Seems like a cooling pad. I'm really. I would upset. put raw meat on that. I know. I'm very upset when you expect to have warmth on your yeah. womb. Gross. <laughs> hey. <laughs> not your womb. The. Honestly, when things don't work, sometimes you know what the feeling of depression is for me, or the feeling of despondency or just sadness Mm -hmm. is like when anything doesn't work or breaks, it reminds you of how everything Everything. doesn't work and breaks. And you're just like, so that heating pad, there is part of me that wants to like light it on fire. Yeah. And be like, I rid my reality of you. Yeah, I get it. That's like how I feel. Tearing down Jenny's house in Forrest Gump. (laughs) Yeah. That's like how I feel about messes. I'm like, I have overreactions when the house is messy because I'm like, the world is messy. I just need to clean. We need to clean. Let's do it. it. I know. I want to, but Val, I got, I, 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 there's just so much to fucking do. I know. 
I'm any, with any who's a woozle. Mm. You were going to say something you admire about me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going yeah, as you sw- as you audibly swallow. Mm, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sir. Uh, you said uh, <laughs> you had something. You had something. Well, no, I liked <laughs> that we have a friend coming over later today. And last night, it's not an abomination to have your menses. <laughs> oh my god! It, it is an abomination to, to call them menses. menses. I hate Absolutely, it. I hate that's like that bal- that's like a BM. I don't like BM. Oh really? I don't like BM. Just say poop. Yeah. <laughs> BM. I have to make a BM. Ew. Or have a bowel movement. Get yeah. That's what my nanny says. Yeah, I know. It's very old school. I people know. that eat prunes say bowel movement. And people that eat prunes have half bowel movements. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what is the classical music? There's a bowel movement. <laughs> okay. We're having fun. <laughs> um, last night, you were like, I, I have my menses. <laughs> I never would say that. I did not say that. But you were like, I'm, so I'm in bleeding. this part. <laughs> I'm glad because we did it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We there was did part it. of me that was like, nice. Sometimes we have <laughs> nice, good, and we're like, is that a baby? Yeah. <sighs> Lila was begging for ba- for a baby sibling this morning, and I was like, this and it's is a year anniversary since your um, since we lost. Right? Have we not talked? We I talked don't know that. if we've talked about that. Um, I think we did. I can't remember because I know that I was going to and then I didn't a couple times. Maybe you didn't. But I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I remember having a podcast where it had just happened. Yeah. And you were really tight. And I think that's what I'm remembering. But yeah. I don't remember. I think you didn't. Yeah. So we had a couple uh, false starts, I guess. You, we, call you can call it miscarriage. There was one chemical pregnancy and then another miscarriage. Yeah. And the miscarriage was uh, almost a year ago to the day. So I was feeling a little like, like I had a dream that I was changing a baby's diaper last night. And then Isn't we it weird? Le- why do, why does our unconscious work on the oh. movement of the sun? It's been one year. I know. And, it's like, yeah. and there's like a thing about like seven year cycles of healing. And like, it's so interesting. Don't I, I'm saying to myself, don't you see the interconnectedness of everything? Right. It's not unrelated human beings in a system. Yeah. We're not cartoons on a backdrop. We're in a thing and the thing is one thing. Yeah. And a year and your unconscious are inexplicably linked. Right. And then and then my unconscious and it feels like Leela's unconscious is linked too, because I had that dream. And, you know, was like a little weepy this morning because I'm on my period and I'm, I guess this is coming up again a little bit. And, um, and then just like Lila was in another room and playing and truly out of nowhere, she went, mama, when are you going to have a baby in your belly? Mm. And I was like, what? And then she's been like asking for it all, all morning. By the way, this is, you know what I mean? Like we should get like Fox searchlight spotlights <laughs> over this story and this point. Yeah. Isn't it just a weird world we live in where we're like, yeah, a year after you had a miscarriage, your daughter randomly just goes, when are you going to have a baby in your belly after you have a dream? I know. This isn't as good, but I go to the grocery store and, I, and like you don't normally see like a newborn. I saw a, mm-hmm. and I heard it first Ugh. and I thought it was a goat. Yeah. Because we live in the country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that a goat in that stroller? But it was the tiniest little baby dumpling. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, it's just like 
on us. Yeah. Like a dream. And my sadness about it is so tricky because we are in this place where we have basically decided to not have a second kid. With with the caveat that if we do, we'll be happy. Just just in yes. case our second child listens to these archives. <laughs> yes, it's just of like course. that well, is always an open thing. It's just not something we're planning per se. That's right. But it, like I said, we had good good, and if you were pregnant, we would have we would have popped rejoiced. the champagne. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But we're not. We are no longer trying to get pregnant. Nobody's looking at you know cycles and. Right. All that. And I mean, you know, we're we're doing what we did when we were trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So um so it's not even that. It's not as simple as like, oh, I wish I could get pregnant or I wish that, you know, like I'm longing for that. So it makes the co- the sadness more complicated because it's like sadness that we went through that and the feeling of loss. But also, it's it's like sadness for the road not taken. It's like I'm I feel like still in the midst of like we had a fork in the road and we started going down yeah. one of the paths, well, and then we changed our mind. Two or, two memories I have, one in that Airbnb and one in the kitchen where we where you told me. Yeah, two different, two different pregnancies. Times. Yeah, two different like, oh my god! And, I know, and it's uh, you know, it's funny. Sorry, did I cut you off? No, it is again like the show alone, and it goes back to what we were saying about trauma as well. Is that a lot of men on that show decidedly and discuss how they don't think about their families, mm-hmm. and I'm one of these men that goes mm-hmm. one of my skills as. Someone who comes from the Viking line. I don't really come from Vikings, but like we flatter ourselves and go like, I'm the boat voyage type. Mm. Those are my ancestors. We came from long hunting trips, long voyages, long times without our loved ones or cuddling or or any of that comfort. Mm -hmm. And you see the men do that. They go, I just don't think about my son. Yeah. And the women tend to be more like, it's my son's birthday today and Mm -hmm. thinking about my son today. Mm -hmm. And again, sorry to keep talking about alone, but like those two styles, the men who are trying to shut it out of their minds, typically it doesn't work. And you know what happens? 10, 12 days later, they're leaving because the money is stupid. Right. Or because... They're, they can't find enough fish. And it's like, no, yeah. did you burn down your shelter, buddy? Or was it an accident? Right. Did you fall on your axe or do you miss your son? You know yeah. what I mean? But the women are doing it in, to, it's, it's the most gender normative show I've ever seen in my life. Right. And it's show, it's, yeah. And it's showing the, yeah, the different methods of survival that we, that we do here. Yeah. Even That's though right. we're not in the woods. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So you're saying, but the, the we're talking about trauma. They're, those right. people are being traumatized. They're alone in the woods. Mm. They're lonely, and like, how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. And you're saying that one of the earliest wounds that men have is to like learn how to suppress that and be like John right. Wayne. Or I've never seen a John Wayne movie in my life, but like Clint Eastwood would be a tough guy, right? Just like my father. Like we've talked about. I feel like my father has told me stories, and in the looking back at them, I'm like, I feel like you were having psychosomatic 
like issues. Like mm-hmm. I think you had un- unresolved this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is the ultimate. Like I go, like I'm traumatized, but then I'm like, but my father was surely more traumatized than me, and mm-hmm. his father was more traumatized than him. So mm-hmm. there's always this excuse of looking right to the closest male father figure, your father, yeah. and go like, but they had it worse. So shut up. Right. And it's just not helpful. And I'm trying to get to the the sharp. When you say I've been traumatized, it almost feels like a what do you, I want you to send me a basket with wine and bread in it and you know cheese. I'm going to get it under a blanket. But there's a sharp end <laughs> to trauma. That's all good by the way. Yeah, it there's just a, it's just the tone is like, yeah, that's like conditioned for masculine energy. Like like no, girls would say all of those things yeah, in yeah. like a lovely way. <laughs> and by the way, I'm already on with that. That's oh, kind of why I was dismissive of that. Oh, I know. But that's not all it means. Right. Uh, Accepting that, as we've said on this pod for many times, many years, your shit is your shit, meaning you don't Mm -hmm. have to apologize for the things that bothered you and that stay with you. Yes. What that really means is, what I've been saying the whole time is, if it was traumatic to you, that's your trauma and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as being in uh, the Ukraine. It's not the same as surviving the Holocaust. It's it's okay. Yes. It's just your shit. Like when I read Father Greg's books and I, I had dinner with Father Greg recently and one of the homies, Jose, and I was like, you wouldn't believe how much I relate to you. And I was saying mm-hmm. that in a bridge building way. And, mm-hmm. and he knows that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have gang trauma. I have my trauma. And he, and he said something beautiful. Jose said, he was like, you hurt and that makes me hurt. And that's, that's I know. Oh my God. And, he's, and that, this is a guy that's like seen what, what a movie would call real trauma. Yeah. And we're just kind of discussing my trauma but he was like hurt is hurt yes and he's like and it connects us and i was like oh my god we both have tears in our eyes right now beautiful but why did i bring where oh so i started finding the pointy end of trauma saying you're traumatized there's an end that is a weighted blanket and a fire Mm -hmm. and and good music and sleep Mm -hmm. and whatever and cuddling Mm -hmm. that's one end of it but the other end of it is a spear it's this like fucking pointy, invasive, flaming, yes, destructive, mm. disruptive yeah. force that is so fucking scary. Mm. That's why most men go, no, I'm Clint Eastwood, or no, I won't think about my kids. That's it's right. not because you're tough. It's because you're terrified. It's That's the right. opposite of toughness. Yes. And facing it in a balanced, I'm not saying we need to become weep monsters and and you know i'm uh, glomming on to people and telling anyone who will listen this this or this I'm talking about finding appropriate and effective ways of acknowledging it so i said to my brother this week i was like dude i call him dude i go dude i don't know how you'll feel about this but like i'm getting more comfortable saying i experienced trauma growing up there was some trauma i wasn't mm-hmm. sexually abused i wasn't hit I, you know the classics See, even now i have a hard time saying it yes because my parents did do the best they could. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that. <laughs> oh, God, it's so hard to say. I know. It's okay. But You're I brand said, new at it. I said to my brother, I was like, I don't know how you'll feel about this. Mm-hmm. And I don't need you to validate it. But for my own healing, I've become okay saying I experienced trauma or I was traumatized. Mm. And before I even finished, he went, I validate it. I know. And I was like. Beautiful. 
what a gift my brother oh, is. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. Well, and then we can get to the James Finley, but you probably have a ton because I've been blabbing and boring. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that the the spear and the softness is very much the concept that I've mentioned before on this podcast that I learned from Jack Cornfield, but it's like this idea in Buddhism where there's two wings of awareness, mindfulness and compassion and compassion. We know, and the compassion is essential when dealing with your own trauma. That's, that's what you meet everything with. It's like, mm. I'm dysregulated. <sighs> of course I'm dysregulated. Okay, what do you need, body? How can I nurture you? How can I, you know, like meeting it with compassion or or you come across something that triggers your child self. You pick that child up. Betty. You get them out of that situation. You, you know, it's that. So the compassion is key, but the other side of it is mindfulness and that's the spear that's, that is, precision clear seeing it's mindfulness in that way mm. so it's it's like cutting through all the bullshit all the protectors the 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 layers of you know the story of being clint eastwood cutting through all of that to get to the heart of the issue and then whatever you meet there you greet with compassion mm. but it's two wings that have to have the other because and I've maybe said this before, but it's so clear. The compassion, the mindfulness without compassion just leads to self-judgment. So some people, and I think you might maybe have spent some time in these waters, are very good at seeing exactly their own reactions and their own truths, but they don't greet it with compassion. So then it becomes self-judgment. It's mm. like, I'm broken. I'm wrong. Why can't I fix this? Why do I still react this way when I'm with my parents? Mm. That's all mindfulness, no compassion. If if wow. you have compassion without mindfulness, which I think is what you were addressing with the like, I'm not going to just be weepy and unloading all of my stuff. That's wow. compassion without mindfulness. Wow. We have to have the clear seeing of, what, why, why would I unload this on my friends at coffee right now? And is this an appropriate time to do it? And have you noticed that you've done this 15 times with this story and there's not, nothing's moved or changed? That's right. And, and you don't even realize you've told me this story before. <laughs> and is anything in, in me healing actually yeah, yeah. from sharing this? Or is it just a little ritual? Exactly. So, wow, this is brilliant. They're very, very essential. In, I mean, what you're saying, that. obviously, that too much just compassion no mindfulness just mindfulness no compassion so the the cleaner way of saying it is mindfulness with no compassion leads to self-judgment compassion with no mindfulness leads to victimhood wow it's really key to have both wow wings. and you're i feel so seen and loved right now thank you that like i get real hard up i'll notice something and I'll, I'll just notice it, but I won't be very forgiving or understanding of it. Yeah. I can be. Certainly when we talk on this podcast, we're usually getting some refined thoughts that have yes. been smoothed over and they, I can sound compassionate to myself. That's but in right. the rawest place, there's often like, I was telling you today that like deep down I go like, I'm a freak. I'm pretending that I can be a husband and a father and mm -hmm. have a career and own a home and drive a car and wear pants and yeah. a shirt and like... But like, that's why 
the thing that I that really challenges me is when this is Father Greg Boyle. He says, um, "If you despise your own brokenness, you'll despise the broken." Mm-hmm. And God damn it, when we're talking about other couples and stuff that just can't make it work, yeah, I'm like, that's because they're freaks. I don't mean this. I'm just saying, like, there's a voice that goes. They're freaks like you, and you're going to be uncovered soon as well. Yeah. Like any minute now. Sure. Like, and, and guess what? As fucking callous and uncaring as you're being about them, that's how everyone's going to be about you when your shit falls apart. Right. And I don't even, well, I feel fantastic right now. I don't feel that way, but that's the voice of my pain. And that's the voice of a protector. And that, you know, in, in like internal family systems, you have the exile which is the tender part of you that got wounded. And then you have a protector that builds up to make sure you don't, you or anyone else doesn't get to that exiled part Mm. so that you don't get hurt again. So your protector, your voice of your protector is, it it seems like it wouldn't be. I rolled my eyes because it's hard to look at this. This is so real. But it, but, and we all I didn't roll my eyes. I looked away from you. I was acknowledging why I looked away. And it seems it's so interesting that our protectors sometimes seem like they're against us, like in that way, like you're a freak, you won't be able to do this, you know, like it's, but really like, it's telling this story because there's a very tender, exiled part of you Mm. that is afraid that that's true. And you just have to, that's why you have to first talk to the protector and be like, when you say you can't be um, a father or a child, I'm curious, like or, what? Or a husband. Or, sorry, a hus- have a child, a, a father. Oh yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> be a father or a husband. Like how how old were you when you learned that? Yeah. And who taught you that? And then like you know like asking questions and then pointing some things out. Like your daughter feels. Hey, hey guess what? You're 44. Your daughter feels so safe with you. Your wife is completely in love with you. Like, just so you know, you don't have to be on guard anymore. And then, like, the protector lets down its guard, and you get to, like, really visualize going in, unlocking a child from a cage Mm. and holding them. You're making me realize that, isn't it weird that my trauma is both that I want to be known, like I have to be heard and seen, Mm -hmm. and then concurrently and almost in a separate room, there's like, it's almost like green smoke. It's not real. But it goes, but if they really know me, they'd know that I'm a freak and like a... (laughs) incapable weirdo yeah well it's it's different parts that's the whole thing that's parts work but it is parts work because the part of me that wants to be seen is specifically the child that got his his picture taken for the baseball card that my dad filled out wrong you know it's like the little boy wants to be seen yes and then the broken grown-up who wasn't didn't feel seen in certain ways He's afraid that you're going to figure out that I'm Nosferatu. Yeah. And this is why when, you know, there's beautiful moments like that too. And I wonder if there's also a story that that child had to build from not being seen by by your parents. Like, well, maybe there's something unlovable about me then if you're not looking at me. I think it it could have been. It, It was also a lonely and fierce feeling of like if i'm gonna be safe i'm gonna have to like 
I'm going to have to do something extraordinary. Like I have to, and I have to do it myself. Yeah. And that's I have right. to, and I have to like hoard and look mm. out for number one and all of these things mm. that, you know, honestly it's, it's sort of the American way. This is why yeah, I'm so sure. interested in how the story of every mission impossible and, and top gun and every action movie is like, go it alone, go it alone, go it alone until you're so broken. You need a refuel from a friend mm. briefly, then mm. go it alone, go it alone, go it alone. And this is like everybody. Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to move on to mm. that point. No, I just, I, I just wanted to circle back one more time to say that it is the most career courageous thing to be vulnerable, even with yourself. Yeah. And that, meeting resistance like you said the practice that you're about to share with us like that's gonna happen and that's okay and there's that also needs to be met with mindfulness and aware and compassion where sometimes it isn't the moment yeah you know like i'll be triggered by something and i'll be in the middle of like being alone with leela and i just have to like hold my body and say I'm going to get you somewhere safe where you can process this. I haven't forgotten you. Mm. Right now we can't do it, (laughs) you know, which is the other thing. Like right now I'm at coffee with my friends. It doesn't feel like the moment, not to say you can't unload sometimes with your friends, but like it doesn't feel like the moment right now. So like I, I, that's where the adult comes in and is like, yeah, there's, there will be, a time and place to do it. And then sometimes it does just take like, all right, I'm avoiding this. I need to just sit down and do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I've been sick. So that's part of oh, why yeah, I didn't yeah. do it too. No, I, but course. it's also just hard to find a time. So here's the story. So Craig Conant, uh, who's very, very funny. You guys may not know him, um, but maybe you do and you're lucky. He's so funny. He was at New Faces with me when I was hosting in Montreal last year. He just did the podcast. Mm-hmm. So he did it and he was telling me about ayahuasca and he said something really interesting about it. He goes, there's like an ocean of love Mm. that when you're on ayahuasca, you can touch. Mm -hmm. It's like you can like put your hand in it and you feel it filling you up. Mm. And he goes, and it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's it's not even a feeling. It's it's like it's the greatest. I don't know. You know. And he said that his teacher or, you know, the shaman or whatever uh, title they use was saying that, yes, that is part of the ayahuasca experience. But the reason we go to the ocean of love and put our hand in it is so that it can embolden us mm. to face our shadow. Mm. So fill up with the love so much that you can go in and look at your blind spots, look at your trauma, look at your pain and work with it because you're so aware of your true self and your true identity in God or, or in awareness or whatever you want to say, yeah. that, you're, that you're unafraid. Mm-hmm. If you know, there's a line in the course, who could be disappointed, who asks for what he has already. And if you know what you already are, mm-hmm. you can look at your little play of life and, and you won't be scared because you're like, it's cool. Yeah. You know, the, I was going to say, Frank Sinatra let me in the casino. Like, who cares if I'm losing? Yes. Like, he's still going to comp my hotel. Like, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're okay. Divinely, you know you're okay. So then you can do all that work. So then a couple hours later, I'm at James Finley's place, who graciously agreed to see me. And we start talking about trauma. And he goes, the pract- trauma work. And I didn't know any of this. I'm, I'm sure this is one of those moments where you're going to be like, I told you exactly that. Mm. I just know that. <laughs> Um, that's just something that it's happens. It's okay. We need to hear things multiple times until we're ready. Yes, we do. And he goes, 
The work is you sit quietly, meditate or pray, find your center where you know who you are in God and with mm-hmm. God and maybe even as God. You mm-hmm. find your purest, the wellspring, mm-hmm. the pearl of great price, find that mm-hmm. and relax there. Mm-hmm. In t- and only, But don't stay there. He goes, only stay there until you're emboldened mm-hmm. to come out and look at your pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Craig had just said that to me yeah. not two hours prior. And yeah. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I didn't even say that to him because he's such a genius wizard that I didn't want to interrupt him with my yeah. cute anecdote of a synchronicity. I might have mentioned it. Yeah. But anyway, he, after he was done, he told me this practice and I'm going to share it with you guys briefly. And then I'll keep you posted on how even looking at this paper is very hard for me. Mm. So you draw a line across the top of the page and it's your age from zero, uh, zero to 25. Mm-hmm. And then you, on that timeline, find a memory and you mark it with how old you were mm-hmm. when it happened. So here I wrote arcade. That was the example that came to mind. I was My mom and dad were having a horrible fight at a diner. And my brother and I, as we often did, escaped into video games. There was a video game. It was mm-hmm. the game Narc. Uh, it's so 80s that it's Narc. It's this game where you're the DEA and you shoot drug dealers. <laughs> I know. So we went out and we're shooting drug dealers playing narc. And it was our respite. It was our safe place. There's all this unspeakable tension. My mom was literally left the restaurant and went for a walk in a in a garden across the street. And I looked at her. Mm. I saw her across the street. And her face was like, she looked like a ghost. It was the mm. scariest thing. So mm. then there's narc and we go and we play narc because we're looking for Any kind anything. Of escape. Yeah. And then when my dad left, he was so mad. He like pulled us away like physically mm-hmm. pulled us away from a game in progress. <laughs> a game in progress, which <laughs> no. in our mind, we were like, that's insane. Yes. Like video games were like the most, like the quarter goes in. The most yeah. shitty kid in an arcade yeah. would never not honor. Yes. It goes until the guy before me dies. Like, But it's also you know, more than that because one of my one of my memories like this was like being in my room playing and my dad and like I had left my bike in the, the driveway and my dad ran over it with the car. So he came in like furious and like late and like busted the door open and was like, you left your bike in the driveway. And then like, and I went from being in the safest, coziest imagination space to being ripped out and that's what you guys you found your escape you were in the cozy cave away from it and you were being physically ripped back into it i know this sounds silly but video games were holy to us they they were sacred holy like a safe it was a hole yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i remember playing a a a game this is at a campground and we were playing some of the better campgrounds had little arcades Mm -hmm. and we were playing this fighting game and i got on the top 10 Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for me. I made it. I, I don't remember what the game was called, but one of the characters was called Fan. It was a woman who had a fan. She fought with fans, and I got all the way to Fan. Mm. And um, <laughs> my brother was watching me, and there was this other older kid behind us. And I got on the top ten, and you get to put your name in. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that might as well be chiseled in, in gold. The, in gold, like <laughs> yeah. it's a golden tablet that I get to write P B H. Yeah. I start doing it, and the kid behind me just reaches over and, hit, and bangs the buttons three times, so it was A A A, so he could play. Ah. Uh. And I 
remember that <sighs> as being like a, so this was even worse. In, in fact, there are two memories I have of my dad yanking us away from video games. And, and it was horrible, but this was the worst one because my mom is literally being a, a ghost in a park. Haunting a garden. <laughs> she's haunting a garden. Which, by the way, the first time I did Kirtan and they had us lie down and think of someone we loved, I thought of my mother in that moment. Mm. And it was, so it was this very, like mm. when I'm in a trance or like meditate or hypnotized, I remember my mom in that garden, just the mm. look of absolute agony. Mm. And not knowing what to do for her and then playing Narang and putting a wall. So anyway, I wrote down arcade. You you put that on the timeline and the age that you are. Mm-hmm. And then you draw one, two, three, four, five, five other lines, also horizontal, um, below it. And and these are the categories. What were you experiencing? What did you experience mm-hmm. at the time? And what was your understanding at the time? Mm-hmm. So for the arcade, I would say like I was afraid and my understanding was confusion. It was, it was all that. What is the meaning for it now? Like in hindsight, Mm -hmm. this one's important triggers. Mm -hmm. What are the triggers? Like how does that still get triggered? Those feelings. Yep. Um, What the, what are the effects of trying not to feel these feelings Mm -hmm. and how am I ritualistically reenacting that day? Wow. So I don't have a good one for arcade, but mm-hmm. when it comes to my father and the and the baseball card and he filled it out wrong, mm. and it, which sound, seems so silly or light, mm. but my whole life I was like, you know, I, I don't have much of my father's attention, but the fact that I'm a left-handed batter really seems to make him excited, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And then he filled it out right, and I was just like, oh, I'm invisible. So one of the ways that I ri- ritualistically reenact that I've noticed mm-hmm. is I do text unavailable people and yeah. expect responses yeah. from them. Yeah. And I know I referenced Kumail. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying like, I will text people that I know won't text me back. Right. So I can go, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I'm bullshit. Mm-hmm. Or I knew it. I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some coping mechanisms that you do? And, and obviously Jim was like, you're funny. You learned how to turn everything into a joke. Right. And he, he likes my comedy. He wasn't putting oh, me no. down. He, was, he actually said, I think this will help your comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think we have to hate our coping me- mechanisms no, no. At, fact, at all. In fact, they can be helpful. Yeah. And the last one is, what could I do today? One more step forward to heal. Mm. Adult me go. Oh, this is so sweet. I'm going to try to get through this. <laughs> so you go to your house. In my case, it was a camper, a, a Winnebago. Yeah. Right after it happened. Mm-hmm. And you visualize yourself now, mm-hmm. 44-year-old me now, mm-hmm. going, it's easier with my house. You go to my house mm-hmm. and you walk in and no one else can see you. Your parents are there. Everyone's there. It's 1980, whatever. But no one can see you. And you go upstairs and you find your bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And you go, is it open or is it closed? Mm-hmm. You can ask yourself that. And sometimes it opens, sometimes it closes. But either way, you knock mm-hmm. to respect the boundary. Mm. You're like you're, you're showing yourself. It's like, I know. Mm-hmm. I won't enter unless you invite me in. Yep. Healing oh. that. And then you go in and, and you see yourself, you know, sitting on the bed. Mm-hmm. And you ask yourself, uh, you, he knows who you are. Yeah. Kid, you knows who you are. Yeah. And you recognize each other. Mm-hmm. And you ask if you can sit down. Mm-hmm. 
and you you can ask him if it's okay to touch him. You can put your hand on his shoulder or, or touch his head or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you just you ask him how he's feeling, mm. and you tell him like you understand, and that you, you just I'm trying to get this right, but like eventually, um, you just make space for it and you say it's okay. I'm you. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got you now. Mm-hmm. Like I've got you now, mm-hmm. and I'm here for you. Yeah, and I'm not gonna let you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then he said, eventually, you can do that enough times, and then eventually, you can you can say, and if you'd like, you can come live with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I did that with my wonderful therapist. Sorry, and- Belle, we don't have time for this. <laughs> Um. <laughs> uh, and now I'm to the point so I got to the point where I came in before because there was a trauma that happened in this specific house and I go to that house and now I come in before the trauma happens you know in the like in my mind like the seconds before after I can see an argument for after because it's like it did happen, so there's no like saving from that. But, but I I like bust in because it uh, like helps me get in touch with my like bad at my rage, which I don't get in touch with as easily. So I like literally kick the door down, and then I like get on my knees and I like hold my child's self face her face, uh, and then I go, "All right, you're coming with me," and then I like pick her up. And I take her out of that door and that street that I grew up on is lined like in big fish yeah. with everybody who's ever loved me, helped oh me, my God. all my friends, everybody. And it's like almost like a timeline, like it starts with my childhood people and then it goes through to at the end. It's just filled with, you know, you and Leela and all, you know, all of our friends here and and I, you know, like just whisper to her, like, you you are so loved, you are so held, you're not alone, your life is beautiful, and I'm taking you there, mm. this is where we live. And sometimes I've done that, and I get sad yeah. because, like, my child self really doesn't want to leave without my mom. Like, she'll be like, but my mommy, you know, so I've, I've worked. <laughs> I've workshopped different things because my protector walks in. She's dead. Let's go. <laughs> you don't need mom. You don't need mom anymore. <laughs> you don't need moms where we're going. <laughs> moms where we're going. We don't need moms. Um, wow. It was like I was I quote I misquoted that like a mom, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, that and my therapist will say like, of course, you can always long uh, honor the longing that, mm. of course, you want your mom. But I'll sometimes just have my mom then be at the end of that line, and then like the three of us sort of hug, and and it's more like my mom's soul, you yeah. know, it's like a truer essence of my mom. Yes. But yeah, it and I do that. I've done that so like I actively do it. You know, like if that part of me gets triggered that from that trauma, I like have the v- go-to visualization and we do it. And it does feel 
Wow. So good and That's so really, important. The ending of Big Fish has always been so emotional to me. Yeah. And that is a really beautiful way to utilize that. Yeah. Well, so. you're doing really good work. I'm very proud of you. Well, I want, I want what do I write on this side? Oh, retreat house or 25. If, okay, that's just, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. let me read this Mary Oliver poem that my, that our friend Jen sent me because I think it's really appropriate. But what were you going to say? Sorry. Nothing. I did, well, I was going to tell briefly the story. I've been sick. I've been having a fever and shakes and cold and hot at the same time. It's been rough. And you were out of town and, uh, we had a sitter. You were so sweet in setting me up, but I did have to take Leela to camp one of the days and it was rough because mm-hmm. I was just physically impaired. And Leela was asking for something. It doesn't matter. It was really annoying. We were running late and she wanted this thing and I couldn't get it off the thing that she wanted. And I tried, it was broken. I couldn't get it off with all my strength. I said, I can't. And she was just crying and whining. And I tried again. I hit my head mm-hmm. as I was trying. I was like, fine, like that, mm-hmm. which is 10 out of 10 for me. That's as much of my <laughs> anger as I'm comfortable letting Leela see. But I don't, it's even conscious. Like, I'm like, I don't mind that you see that you're bothering me right now because you should know that people, people have limits. People have limits. Yes. But I'm still going to try. Fine. Yeah. And I go and I get, I, I finally break it off. Like, it, it sucks. And I give it to her. And, then we'd start driving and it was very calm, you know, except for the fine and the hitting my head. She heard me hit my head and she was being quiet. And I was like, are you okay, Bubba? And she was like, you look kind of sad. And I was like, are you sad because Dada got frustrated? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I did get frustrated, which is just exactly what I've always wanted. Yeah. Yep. I did mm-hmm. get frustrated. But you know, I always love you and you're always safe. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I got frustrated. And yeah. I put my hand on her and she picked it up and just kissed it and held it to her face and mm-hmm. then immediately mm-hmm. was laughing and chirping and singing. Mm-hmm. We're not that complicated. No. And and yeah. that's another thing James Finley was like, what would it be like if you said, Dad, I'd like to tell you this. What, like we role played. He was like, what if I was you and you were your dad? I couldn't do it. I couldn't think of what my dad would say. Yeah. If you're like, I think he said it so beautifully. He was like, I know you never intended to scare me, but you did. Mm-hmm. And it would be, mean a lot to me if you apologized. And I think it would mean a lot for you to mm-hmm. apologize to me. I'm your son. Aww. And I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't in a e- million years yeah. imagine what, would happen right wow how far i would get in that sentence and he he was like if he interrupts you you go dad if you would just please do me this favor and let me finish wow and i was like i I, look i I don't know i know i don't i just feel like as soon as i said like i think it would mean a lot to me if you apologized i don't know i don't know if he could i can't i can't imagine how he would respond to that either just to be because I told you that story that he tells about taking me outside and giving me a, a talking to to like get me to stop acting up, and I'm like, "Yeah, you scared me." Yeah, and he was like, "I don't, I don't know if I scared you, but if I scared you, you know, kind of the implication being like, if I scared you, well, it worked." Yeah, and I'm exactly. like, "Exactly." 
he's like in moments like that, you could say like, you know, I know you didn't mean to, but it would mean a lot if you apologize. I just, these guys, I know. There's I don't things- think he could go like, you're right. I, I never, I'm, I think he would be like, this is a man that was like, you're afraid of God, right? And you're afraid of me, right? Like it's, yeah, he, it's thinks like, afraid, it's good. he thinks fear, fear and good. respect are the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I. there are things <laughs> that my therapist recommends to me. Like you could just say this and I and I will laugh and go, oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> just like if it feels like so far from anything I could do, yeah. you know, which and then sometimes it it starts to feel less far. But um, yeah. but yeah, I just real I really know that feeling. Yeah. I also was gonna say, what did you say right before that? Oh, oh, the story about what is the story you just told about? Oh, Leela, yes. Oh yeah, isn't it? Isn't yes. that sweet? And we're I, not that complicated. We're not that complicated. I acknowledged it. I apologized. I said what was happening, and I, and I addressed like you're never in danger. That's right. You're and not in danger with me ever. And this is not this is my own. This from a kid who got the I'm going to kill you face. I know. <laughs> and this is not my own idea, but this is the, you know, one of the sort of truths of parenting that I subscribe to is that it's it's all about the repair. So it's not about have never losing it in front of your kid. Yeah. In fact, if you never lose it in front of your kid, when they lose it, yeah, they feel how like, alone will they feel? Uh, aliens or something's wrong with them. Yeah. So you showed her it's it's actually if that happens occasionally, you know, as opposed to like all the time, it's better than it not I, happening at all because I felt that so when she was holding my hand happens from that I was like we just super glued ourselves no, together you did that's right something happened and my dream of dreams yeah it wasn't denied it was acknowledged and it was interpreted yeah like you probably thought you I actually don't know I'd like to think she doesn't feel unsafe if I bang my head and go fuck like she yeah. hears me hit myself yeah but maybe she did yeah and I'm like that's wrong. Yeah, you are safe. Yeah, you, I'll never, ever be a danger to you. That same day, uh, so yesterday, I was frustrated because I was trying to get to the fair and all the roads to the fair were having road work and my map was just updating to take me back down those roads, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, so I guess I'm on my own here. I have to just guess how to get here. Mm. And I told Lila, I was like, I'm really frustrated, but I'm not frustrated with you. Mm. And she does, she like has said this before, but she's like, remember Daniel Tiger, you know, if count to four, which is like, if you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four or whatever. If only the word for roar was Revan. Because I could use a little more time. <laughs> Great. Uh, or just make it a full wren. Um, but I... <laughs> but she... And, and, I, and I just used the opportunity to be like... Because once I calmed down, like I had figured out... I was like, all right, we're on the right road. And I was like... You know, I was like, I got frustrated. Do you ever feel frustrated? And she's like... Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And we like love each other the whole time. Right. And she's like, yeah, you know, Mm. and it's just, so these are little moments. And even like going back to when I snapped at you and said, bone broth, (laughs) it wasn't that. She's got to see again, this is something you can take credit for. You set the tone of this in our relationship 
but she was in the kitchen like helping me cook and she got to see you go me instantly go like I'm sorry and you go I overreacted first I just like couldn't hear you and I'm like I'm just like I feel like I've been making this dinner for my entire life yeah which is a great line (laughs) which is true I had run to the store and come back why is this taking so long and like right as I was almost done hello is this still even fresh (laughs) (laughs) hello pretty stale by now Uh, yeah and like right as I was in the crossing the finish line Leela was like can I help you cut and she She's like trying to cut carrots with like the the a butter knife basically, and mm. it was a lot. Um, but she got to see the entire interaction of us snapping and then instantly repairing. Yeah. So it's we're doing good. We're stopping this wave as best as we can, and that's why it's hard for us. But it's all the work, hopefully, that she, because we're doing it, she won't have to do it. Yeah. She'll do some other work, but it won't be as intense as this, I don't think. Word up. All right. Let me read this poem, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah? Word up. Word up. Um, You're doing great. I love you. I'm glad you're my child's dad. There you go. I thought you were reading a text. <laughs> Thank you. I will say, this is not a reason to get married. It's not. Get married because you're in true love and don't have a kid because for this. Have a kid because it's the most obvious and right thing mm-hmm. in your love. But the comfort I get in going like, I've said this before, but I'm like, she wouldn't stick around and Leela would tell me if she was like having an issue with me. <laughs> yeah. So there's this great like, your, well, your bullshit, if your life is spread amongst a family, mm-hmm. your own family, yeah, your bullshit has a harder time getting a foothold because mm. it's like, you're, you're shit. And it's like, no, I'm sleeping next to something that says that's not true. So it's not yeah. just me arguing with myself. Mm-hmm. You get kisses from a little baby girl. You get kisses from your wife. and you're, the, I mean, this, this is the whole appeal of, you of know, the relationship. Not the whole appeal, but that's a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, and you know the benefits of you not being scary to her or to me mm. is that you can trust that because you have made it you have made yourself a safe person that if you were, if you did have like a brain tumor and all of a sudden you were becoming an asshole, we would tell you because we're not scared of you. Right. But like a lot of dads can't, especially in our dad's generation can't take comfort in what their kids and wife are saying because your kids and wife are afraid of you. So they're not telling you the truth. Yeah, the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, he's naked, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hit it. So this is the journey. I've read this on this podcast before, but it probably, you know, two years ago. Um, so it's called The Journey by Mary Oliver. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm just too menstruaty to read this. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't it be called Womenstration? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> and it should be called a girl necologist. <laughs> That's not mine. You Somebody else. Or maybe it was. I don't my know. <laughs> That's so good. It should be called a girl ecologist. Girl ecologist. Girl ecologist. Girl necologist. And it should okay. be called women'stration. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, 
though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old rug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Well, yeah. Thank you, Val. Welcome. I wrote that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, babies. Keep it crispy.